what it is, what it do. This is Ramblin', your Rams podcast that brings you inside of the team and news from around the NFL. I'm your host and team reporter, Serena Morales, coming at you from sunny UCI Irvine, uh, your home for the 2021 Los Angeles Rams training camp. And I am joined today by two special guests. This is a special edition. You can check it out, not only streaming on where you get your podcast, but also you can check it out on the Rams YouTube page. And I'm here with two of my friends, I'm biased. What are we going to do? We're around each other so much. I'll start with my lady to my right, uh, Jordan Rodriguez. She is the beat writer, covers the Rams for The Athletic. Uh, she is a dog mom, a Birkenstock wearer, and we're trying to get her sponsored by Hydroflask. And to my left, we've got Nick Hamilton, reporter for Nightcast Media. Uh, rocks his Nikes, one of the coolest cats on the block, and probably should have I mean, you're you're silky and smooth when it comes to your voice. So he's really putting us to shame on this um, podcast because it goes audio. Oh well, you know, I try. You listen to that. Look at that. <laughs> uh, appreciate you both for joining me today for this podcast. Obviously, we're back, and it's great to cover Rams training camp because this did not happen last season. Jordan, you were the newcomer who came in through it all. I met you on Zoom, and now I've met you many times in real life. How has it been covering this team for the past two seasons? Yeah, it's been a little nuts because, you know, everything was virtual. And obviously the Rams did get an in-person training camp, um, but it was so different, truncated by protocols and safety measures and things like that. And it was also in Thousand Oaks. So it's been really invigorating and very cool for me to be here and see what a huge turnout there's been mm. on weekdays in right. July. People work. Like, <laughs> it's, it, I mean, it's really cool. There's yeah. the, stadium, the, the, the stands have been packed every single day. Yeah. I can't even imagine what it'll be like when the pads finally come on this weekend. And to me, that's been really, really invigorating and, and getting to shake hands and see just the little things, the smells of training camp, you know. Yeah. I actually am okay with the smell of sweat right now. Ask me again in three days, but maybe, maybe right now it's like, way. yes, we're back. And the smell of grass and watch, watching guys interact with each other in person and, and everybody obviously taking those safety measures in order to do so. It's just a really good feeling, Serena. Yeah, and it's great to have you both. Nick, you've been around the block a few times and I would love to get your perspective now because, I mean, to Jordan's point, you see Irvine has done a great job of bringing fans, and I think that's the thing that stands out to us because when you're standing on the sidelines with masks on and players are still very far away from you, whereas now we're hearing guys in the background chirp at players, yeah. but you get to kind of feel like we're back in football. Yeah, it's, it was weird. Like Jordan said, like it was weird because I covered the Rams with another network, so you're used to being at UCI, you're used to having the fans around. like. Life, what we knew at that point was normal. Yeah. And then when the, unfortunately, when the pandemic hit, it's like everything just went like completely like dark zero thirty, right? Like <laughs> it was just something that, okay, how do we adjust now? And like everything is on Zoom, so you don't have the interaction that you would normally have. And even last season, you heard the fake crowd noise, and it was like it was just weird. Yeah. So even like like Jordan said earlier, when you have nobody at training camp but media people, and then we're at home on Zoom and then watching on Zoom and then yeah. trying to communicate and, and build relationships or at least try. I mean, it was just, it was weird. So I'm so happy. I'm so excited to be back in this atmosphere. I mean, you can smell the grass, you can smell, you can smell the atmosphere, like the energy 
is just electric when you, when you see these fans out here and just really cheering on their team and being able to come back outside yeah. and really say, okay, I'm a Rams fan. You see all the Jack Young blood jerseys to, <laughs> you know, uh, you know now Matthew Dickerson, Stafford yeah. and Eric Dickerson and Deshaun Jackson. And you mm -hmm. see all these new, you know, uniforms. You see the kids having, uh, having fun now. Right. And so th that's the joy that brings when you're on this side of the fence as far as just being a media reporter, just seeing the joy on everybody's faces and enjoying the time. And the players are feeding off that energy now. So now they're extra hyped. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a fun ride. And also, it's just impactful for reporters' jobs in general to be able to see, you know, firsthand what are the, who's laughing, who's hurting, who's crying today. And, you know, all of that excitement, it definitely makes our jobs better to be able to share with fans when they're looking for insight from the team. The biggest change outside of being in person, I think, is the fact that there is a new quarterback, number nine, Matt, uh, Matthew Stafford. You said it just earlier, Nick. Um, as that is a change for the two of you, I would love to get your perspective because you both saw Jared Goff last season and now seeing Matthew Stafford, a veteran in the league. Sean McVay cannot hide his excitement at having a veteran, you know, at helm. Jordan, your overall thoughts of Matthew Stafford now that we're really seeing him in action. Yeah, I mean, he's seen so much football. You can you can really watch him. This is one of the, the gifts, I think, for a reporter in being in person right now and being also so wonderfully close to the action, whereas maybe in at Thousand Oaks we would have been back a little bit further but the way that they set it up at Irvine I mean it's it's just a gorgeous setup for a reporter it's like I feel like a kid in a candy store I'm like oh, go on this field go on that field oh my gosh I'm getting all my steps in like and and so when I watch and I spent a lot of time the last couple of days watching specifically Matthew what he's doing between the reps, right? What he's doing when he is a either commanding the huddle and what happens right before the play, how he's diagnosing, how he's signaling, how he's getting everybody set up and calling checks and doing certain things in uh, tandem with his new center, Austin Corbett, how he's communicating with receivers. The One of the coolest things that I think about this process with him is not necessarily the, the sexy stuff, the, the no-look passes, and those are great, those are awesome. But the things that I really like to see is how he just orbits around all of his receivers and running backs and offensive linemen between snaps. Hmm. He is close enough to like almost clack helmets with them and talking to them constantly about just troubleshooting things, working through things maybe he, did, he didn't see, working through the different layers of this offense that we know there are a lot of layers to that playbook. And so working through all of the nuances and variables with his receivers and not just telling his receivers what he wants and what he likes to do, but asking them what they like. Mm -hmm. Asking Cooper Cup, what are you going to do when you see a coverage this way and you've got a choice route? Which way are you going to go? What, which way do you like to take it? Asking Robert Woods and having Robert Woods like pass him notes in the film room in the spring. You know, this is exactly the window that I need to catch the ball in to maximize my yards after the catch. Mm -hmm. Not here, here. Yeah. And, and on, on every single specific type of route that he runs. And I think that is the most important thing about what's happening right now in training camp. Certainly they did not have a spring, that, you know, last year didn't have a spring to do this. But you can really see Matthew Stafford, he's not a, he's not a loud guy, he's not a, a in-your-face guy. Yeah. He's a guy who comes to you at your level and he, he is a collaborative leader. That's how I would put it right now for him. Yeah, I spoke to one of the refs here at training camp who's like a 14-year ref in the league, and he actually said that um, 
Matthew Stafford has never looked better. He is in such prime shape and, you know, obviously players look different when they're wearing pads mm -hmm. and we really haven't seen Matthew Stafford up close because he was in Detroit. And so to see him in person and yes, all of the details that Jordan talked about, but there is that sexy stuff that's going on on the field with Deshaun Jackson and Cooper Cup that have really splashed out on the field in only two days. Yeah, I mean, to, take, to kind of piggyback off Jordan's point too, when you're happy somewhere, you perform better. It's like when you get that fresh haircut and you know, okay, I feel like a million bucks even though I have $7 in my, right? in my Thanks pocket, right? You feel like a million dollars even though your bank account says $7 and right. change. And that's what I feel like Matthew Stafford he's is. He's rocking a little he's fade. Yeah, he's, he, oh, he's rocking a fade, tough. But at the same time, he's happy. and He's with a winning organization for the first time in his career. He's with a winning organization. And I think that speaks volumes to what this organization was able to do to bring a guy of his caliber with a strong arm a guy that can unite players and then everything a lot of things are predicated on Reed so he's able to dissect the defenses and know which routes to take okay that route is burned let me go around let me make make the adjustments let me talk like you said to Cooper Cup to Deshaun Jackson Robert Woods Van Jefferson these are the guys that you have you know you're going to be in the trenches with for 17 games in battle mm -hmm. and so when you look at Matthew Stafford you, he has that experience, but also, too, I think the key was him coming very early during the volunteer workouts and setting that precedence and setting that tone to say, hey, I'm here. I don't have to be here, but I'm here because I want to learn, not just you guys learn from me, mm -hmm. but what can I learn from you? What messages can I disseminate to you from my experiences to help you be a better player? How can I get the ball to you? How can I be a better teammate? And I think those things resonate even with Sean McVay. And those are the things to me. I feel like are essential when you look at him now at training camp and now we're going to have the pass coming this weekend. But I don't think it's not going to be that much of a difference because I think this guy is a confident quarterback. Mm -hmm. I think this is something they've been needing for the last few years. Yeah. Um, and so when you look at what Matthew Stafford can bring to the table, I think with the other guys rallying around him and being able to throw those dimes like we saw to Deshaun Jackson, uh, and that's not the last of it. I think we're going to see more hopefully this season. Yeah. Who, Fingers crossed. Who's going to bet me? Who's going to bet me money? That's the they run that play in the first first of the regular season. Oh, I mean, I'm it's a touchdown. It's there. It's there. I'm saving my money. <laughs> don't don't bet on that one. That's Jordan's going to win that one. And to, to Nick's point too, Serena, and such great points. And I think too, there's a certain sort of something re reinvigorating about you're not just learning this offense, but I the way that just in talking a little bit with Matthew Stafford. I think he also is sort of reinvigorated by what he's seeing the defense doing. Yes. Because this is a system that is not being run in, well, anywhere. There's concepts yeah. of it being run, obviously, under Vic Fangio. Mm -hmm. but with Brandon Staley coming in last year, this was not something that was being run throughout the league. It's, it's like a mad science experiment, basically. And yeah. they did it and were the number one defense. And so that, but this is, because it worked you know that other teams are now going to pull from it, sure. right? And so Matthew sees that. He understands the game philosophically, and he knows he's been around long enough to know the direction things are going. So I think it's reinvigorating for him not just to learn what the offense is doing, but to also get a firsthand look at what I think the new wave of defensive football is and to be there when it's happening. To be, If you love football, to be there when it's happening, when you're catching that wave right at right at its apex before it sort of washes over everything. I mean, man, that's like, and I'm getting a little surfery here, but that's like, that's the best feeling in the world, right? Yeah. 
And I think that that's something that really reinvigorates him uh, as well. And, and you know this defense has a hell of a time playing against him, too. Well, let's talk about that defense. <laughs> and also, shout out to the surfers, because we have a lot of them here in Los Angeles. Uh, the defense, I mean, we both heard Matthew Stafford say in his presser uh, this week that the defense is certainly challenging the offense. And you can see this sort of battle already in the first week of training camp. The defense, I mean, Terrell Burgess has popped. You know, we've seen uh, Jordan Fuller. You noted, you know, he's wearing the green dot on defense. That's going to be changing, you know, as we're looking at different linebackers. And when I say we, I mean Sean McVay and people that are a higher pay grade that deserve to make those decisions. But, <laughs> but Nick, overall, you know, the offense has been splashing, but the defense is not just hanging around and, and waiting for things to happen. Exactly. And there were some question marks, especially with the departure of John Johnson III. You, you look yep, at Troy Hill. Hill. Yeah. So there were a lot of especially John Johnson being that play caller last season as far as being able to move the pieces and know how to call and signal calling and things of that nature. So they were wondering who's going to be that signal caller. And you mentioned Jordan Fuller. And Jordan Fuller, to me, has emerged significantly in his rookie year and coming into this new year. You hear guys like Aaron Donald. You hear Jalen Ramsey talk about, hey, this guy is prone for leadership. Yeah. This guy's probably going to be the leadership, not just in the secondary, but for the for one of the, the captains or leaders on the team. Mm -hmm. And I think that's instrumental as far as not just having confidence in a young man of his stature, but he is also showing that hey we're backing him this is the reason why we're backing him and when you look at this defense I think it's going to surprise a lot of people this this coming season they can stay healthy obviously but continue to mature continue to gel find that vocal leader that they need or two that they need not name Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey yeah. and be able to to, Sorry, to captivate I'm still not sure about that well, that's what happens when you're doing a podcast right now. <laughs> I know, right? So to be able to captivate what needs to happen as far as making sure that the defense is on point and making sure they make the right plays and reads. Because I'm telling you, the level of expectation for this team is higher than California sales tax. So they're going to have to <laughs> get it done immediately. Week one is going to be the expectations are going to be, hey, all right, you got to be one and oh, you got to be two and oh, week two, you got to be three. The, the level of expectation, and I think they understand that, but they don't look so far ahead to a point where they get beside themselves, mm -hmm. especially with the 17 game season now. So I think they're taking this time as they should to kind of gel, understand one another, get with Raheem Moore. So I think it's who's a defensive technician as a coordinator. And I think that's going to pay dividends long term. Changing your D.C. is not easy. You go from a number one defense with Brandon Staley. Do you see them keeping that? We've seen Raheem Morris, not just rocking Jordans out there, but also throwing bullets to these DBs and linebackers, doing a lot more hand drills. We're going to take this watch off right now because you're in my way. Thank you. Um, seeing these DBs throwing to linebackers, I've seen them do a lot more hand drills than in the past. How do you see a change with Raheem Morris, who seems to be a player kind of coach, but that's a big change for players to adapt to. Yeah, you know, I think if you look statistically at things like DVOA and kind of dig a little bit deeper into, you know, analytical defensive football, you know that regression year over year is a natural thing, especially when you're dealing with a league that is structured to pull every team into eight and eight, right? Mm -hmm. And so the, the thing about this, though, is that if there is anybody, in my opinion, who would get the Rams maybe through that little regression blues is what you kind of call it every year. Raheem Morris is that guy to yeah. me. Okay. I mean, Raheem Morris, he's done everything. He's seen everything. Mm -hmm. He's not somebody who, the thing that I think is so interesting about what he is doing so far in camp, 
Now, he's got confidence, right? Like, <laughs> let's not be mistaken about that. It's definitely clear. But he Absolutely. did not walk into that locker room and say, this is now, you know, I'm going to put my system in because I believe in it and I think it's better. What he did was he said, hey, you guys were the number one defense last year because you, the, you as players, the talent as players, and the talent of the scheme itself mm-hmm. met at the apex. That is a rare thing in football to have happen. So I'm not going to change that. Instead, I'm going to pull it threads here and there. Maybe, some, maybe I'm going to design a couple of different pressure packages because we didn't blitz a lot last year, mm-hmm. so now maybe we're going to do that a little bit more. Maybe I'm going to scheme the linebackers a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm going to scheme up Aaron Donald a little, you know, just little, little tweaks here and there based on his own expertise. Mm-hmm. And I think that takes such a uh, confidence in oneself and yeah. one's ability to not just go into a room and kind of just yell louder than anybody else in it, but instead to come in and say, you guys were awesome last year. Let's get more awesome this year. Yeah. And here's how we're going to do it. And I think that, that that is something really special about Raheem, something that certainly the players respect yes. and definitely paid attention to hearing these guys talk. And Raheem has this way about him where he, he knows exactly how to approach every guy where he's at. Yep. If you're a DC, especially dealing with some of the biggest personalities on the team and the biggest superstars when you're talking about this team specifically, Big time. you don't approach every guy the same way. Yeah. You treat everybody fairly and equally, but you don't approach every guy the same way. And so I think in terms of what I've seen so far and, and how Raheem coaches, that's what I've noticed is he has a, a way of just getting in into people's, like under people's skin and into their heads and maybe into their bones a little bit too yeah. and really making guys want to pull for him and have a blast while they do it. For sure. He's basically saying any turnover is going to be a touchdown in his eyes. So it's exciting to see that, you know, the number one defense could potentially be the number one defense again under a new DC with Raheem Morris. I think the most glaring question in recency is the injury to Cam Akers uh, report saying that he was hurt during training prior to training camp and the running back group. Daryl Henderson will not see a preseason snap, according to Sean McVay. We certainly believe him, but overall this running back group coming into things, obviously you're expecting uh, Daryl Henderson to take that lead in the running back group, but where else are you looking, and how do the running backs look overall in camp so far? Well, I think they look they look what we expect them to look like. They're still trying to figure things out. You have Xavier Jones, obviously, and other, uh, other young running backs that are trying to get acclimated to that system and mm-hmm. understand what happens, because like Sean McVay said, hey, some of these guys weren't prepared to even say, hey, I'm going to be out there on the field. Now, with the unfortunate loss of Cam Akers, mm-hmm. now you have opportunity to prove yourself and to show your worth and to show your value in this particular system. So I think these these young guys are still getting acclimated. I think they're talented. That's why they were drafted for a specific reason. I think a lot of times we tend to look at the bigger names. We like to play the name game and say, oh, if this guy's not here, we automatically going to lose this. Not necessarily so. Yes, you're going to lose something without Cam Akers. Xavier Jones splashed, I mean, to That's, us, man. and we were like, where's he going to be? But, but again, if you have Malcolm Brown and Daryl Henderson and Cam Akers, who are sort of running the show literally and right. figuratively speaking, you're not going to see an Xavier Jones. But now here's his shot, yeah. Jake Funk, you know, the mixture of all the running backs. There is a deep group that... It's a deep class. Yeah, it, like you said, it's a deep class. And like even Jordan was saying earlier, the, 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 the synergy of it all. And to me, do they need to go get a veteran? Because that's a lot of questions you see on the message board, you see on the, on, on the Twitter feed. We watch, go get a we, we watch Twitter. We look at it. You know what I mean? And, yeah, they may have to go get a veteran at some point. Maybe yes, maybe no, depending on like what Sean McVay said earlier about how everything 
is, is, is placated on training camp. So I think you have to monitor, monitor it, watch it. But I think Daryl Henderson is, is going to be a beast. I mean, he was one yard shy of being the leading rusher behind Cam Akers. He was leading away. Yeah, he had five TDs. I mean, that, that was quiet. Like, it was a quiet five <laughs> TDs because everybody was so focused on Cam Akers uh-huh. and what Cam Akers is going to do and the, the, the great job he did in the playoffs on that run that he did. So I, I think, listen, I wouldn't worry too much. I think this organization, I think this coaching staff knows what they need to do. But again, it wouldn't hurt if you did go get a veteran that say play with Matthew Stafford last season. Oh, we're already throwing out those hints. Do you see it happening, Jordan? Where are we seeing this running back group form? (laughs) Yeah, you know, I think Daryl Henderson has all the talent in the world. I think he's a a heck of a player, explosive, um, can, can, you know, do some of that gap stuff that they were trying to do with Cam Akers now. Haven't seen it with him, with Sean McVay but definitely can get downhill if he needs to, but also can be utilized in the passing game, which I think is obviously a skill set Matthew Stafford likes to have in his running backs. Where I do worry a little bit and where I lean more toward, we're gonna see a committee, um, especially early on. Daryl Henderson was so successful in terms of of that that first part of the year, Mm -hmm. um, but he was in a committee as well. You know, so we're, we're talking about a guy who isn't really getting over 15 carries per game, maybe one time over 15 carries per game in his career, and has not averaged it consistently. Now, if you want a workhorse back, he's getting 18 to 20, 18 to 22, 25, and then also is in the passing game. Uh-huh. So to me, I think what they're thinking about with Daryl is definitely doing a committee approach, using a couple of these younger guys, which we see them um, trying to work it out now. You're seeing Xavier Jones take some first-team snaps, Jake Funk taking some first-team snaps, which you normally would not see. Mm-hmm. But it's to me, that's a signal of them really very much trying to um, establish what type of committee, what the situational yeah. dictation will be in terms of when you see this look, which back you're using. They're really trying to work that out right now while still having Daryl established as the lead guy in that room. Because as Sean McVay put it, the best, you know, the biggest question with Daryl is not what he can do. It's not ability, it's right. availability. So establishing, I think, and I don't even want to call it a pitch count, but establishing a rotation where he's got a percentage, the larger percentage in the pie chart, and then Xavier Jones has got a percentage in the pie chart, Jake Funk's got a percentage in the pie, pie chart. If they think that's a sustainable model coming out of training camp, um, because Daryl's not playing in the preseason, right? That's so if they think that's a sustainable model coming out of training camp and they think that that can not only maximize Daryl's talent, but also keeping him healthy on a more sustainable, um, in a more sustainable way, yep. then that's what they're going to go with. But to Nick's point, I do not rule out them picking up a veteran. I don't think they're going to do it before training camp's over, barring some sort of catastrophe. Right. But I think that they have a history of picking a, a guy up at the right time what? and then riding no. it out. No way. <laughs> what? So, you know, I think that they, they kind of know that formula and I think that's kind of why they're exercising more patience right now. For sure. Yeah. There's no need to rush. And I would say there, I'm sure, a reassurance from the two of you for Rams fans who are like, oh my gosh, we need to pick up someone right now. Let's not forget the wide receiver group is, is deep. Um, these are wide receivers that also know how to block and run and do all those things. Daryl Henderson, very multifaceted, can you know run like a wide receiver or a running back. And don't forget, we've got Tyler Higby, Jacob Harris, who has splashed in OTAs, uh, Ben Skoranek, who they picked up, who's a wide receiver and pretty much the same size as Jacob Harris, and he is listed as a wide receiver too. So I think there's a lot of different guys that are available 
to Matthew Stafford, and it doesn't necessarily have to have a running back position listed, I would say, going into the season. So everyone can hopefully calm down. And that turns to what makes me happy. I just wanted to get a quick, you know, ode from each of you on something that has made you happy overall heading into this season. Jordan. Oh, I saw a great moment yesterday uh, between Coach Evero and Nick Scott. Oh, and I think I'm not going to speak on. I don't know what the call was, so I'm not going to speak. You know, I'm not going to criticize a player because I, I didn't know what the call was. But it appeared that Nick Scott had a maybe a miscommunication. He was really mad at himself about it, and he came over to the sideline and he stood apart, you know, down the sideline a little bit, and he was upset. And I watched Coach Evero, who is a phenomenal coach and you know is is you know drawing a lot of attention for how he helped run that secondary last year and I watched coach Evero walk over to him put his hand on his shoulder at first and talk to him a little bit hmm. and then that you know that wasn't the deeper that they needed he needed something deeper Nick was it seemed like pretty frustrated with himself and then coach Evero puts his arm around him pulls him in and just gives him you know reassuring words reassuring comments and then that was it and to me that's like that's the special part of what we get to see right now yeah it's not just what these guys are doing it's how they're doing it and I think that's really what first of all I missed and and it's just a blessing I think to be able to see things like that that will come back down the road in the season I guarantee it that will come back and be important down the line they're all trying to make the team right now and with a deep secondary I, I, I'm sure it's understandable for Nick Scott to be like upset because everyone is trying to prove themselves was there something that stood out to you so far that makes you happy oh absolutely I think it was before I actually do it when it when the players were reporting Ernest Jones I think <laughs> we love his Ernest story Jones. is just remarkable his tenacity his zest for life but his zest for not only just playing football, you know how talented, he's immensely talented. This guy it has a motor that probably won't ever shut off at any time, but also the heart that he has. The heart that he has, not just for football, but the heart he has and the passion he has for people. Mm -hmm. the, fan, the fan base, when you see him going out there, the fan base, when you see what he, wants, what he wants to do off the field as far as taking care of the homelessness problem and working with the youth around yeah. various communities in Southern California and Los Angeles in particular. So when you see those type of things, when you hear those type of things from such a young man who's come out of college, who has the, the world at his, at his palm, so to speak, who has his whole football career ahead of him, to, to be that unselfish, that translates on the field. And this is why this is a young, we talk about Jordan Fuller being the vocal leader, yeah. but Ernest Jones was going to emerge at some point, at some type of leadership role at some point, because that's the type of heart and tenacity and passion that he has. So that's what really touched me, just being human and mm -hmm. just understanding the value and how fortunate you are to be in this position. Just like we all are, you, I, Jordan, we're all fortunate to be here in this position to do the things that we love to do. You're right. And well said. Yeah, I, I will. Well yeah, said. I mean, he is really immersed just from us as media members talking about his mom, talking about like, you know, from hot dogs to hamburgers and like some of the limited amounts of food that he may have had and his mom work. I mean, she never asked him to work another job and it was just focus on football. So shout out to all the moms and good parents out there that are creating amazing football players because that does take into effect how they do perform on the field. You're playing for something more. This is more than just a game. Um, news around the NFL quickly, because I think we've just exhausted the Aaron Rodgers story now that he is back in Green Bay. 
Is there anything else that Rams fans should maybe be aware of that are storylines? I don't know if it's Cleveland and how that secondary is going to now be jumping off the screen because of John Johnson and Troy Hill. Uh, is it another team? Or should we be looking at the Patriots at all? Is it Tom Brady and the Buccaneers once again? But just other teams that maybe will affect the Rams as they're making their way to playing in the Super Bowl at SoFi Stadium. Yeah, I think you you just have to expect such a tight competition between the division and the yeah. teams of the division this year. The the margin for error, we, we talked about defensive regression earlier and how every team year over year has it in some phase, right? You saw the Rams, it happened to them in special the special teams phase. Um, you know, you saw them in the, you saw it in the offensive phase as well. Um, and now they're hoping that the moves that they've made and the things that they're installing will counter, counter whatever natural regression happens year over year, right? Mm-hmm. So you're then at the, at the place where you want to be, right? <laughs> and so to me, though, that's every team. That happens to everybody. Every team's got that type of situation. But in the NFC West, the margin for error is so thin. It can come down to you know, week over week, uh, extra yards of coverage in your special teams unit. Yeah. It can come down to, you know, one first down conversion, you know, or one third down conversion, one, one extra first down per game. It can come down to one extra play that you've worked on in the red zone, mm-hmm. you know? And so that's where I think, you know, obviously the league itself is head over heels and just upside down every day. It yeah. seems like something crazy happens. At least our long national Aaron Rodgers nightmare is finally <laughs> over. But <laughs> whew, so we God, can focus so on relieved. the NFC West again yeah. because that so is it's like tunnel vision, right? Yeah. This yeah. is what these guys have to be in. This is what you know we have to be paying attention to because really this is the best division in football, and it's going to come right down to the wire, especially down late in the season when these NFC West teams they start to cannibalize each other. And, and, you know, wreck the division. It's two games. They're yeah. going to be exhausted by the time they all I play mean, each other twice. Yeah, I mean, you look at, like, I look at it this way. Listen, there's two things. I'm going to be real quick. So, where, Los Angeles. Nick Hamilton about to drop Los some knowledge. Angeles, <laughs> you beat Tom Brady last season with Jared Goff. You in did. Tampa. You did. You have him at home this year at SoFi. There's no excuse. You have an upgraded quarterback in Matthew Stafford. Get the job done. Also, <laughs> when you look at the 49ers, when you look at what, what I, I believe that the 49ers, they weren't the better team on paper, but they play with more hunger and more tenacity. And I think this year with the Rams, I think that win is not going to just be a physical win, but a mental and an emotional win. To say, hey, we finally got the monkey off our back. We can beat these guys in red. We can yeah. go up there and beat them. We can beat them down here. And I think once you do that, I think that that confidence level is going to raise even more so because, hey, we got the monkey off our back. We, like you said, the tough NFC West who likes to eat each other alive and battle back and forth um, like gladiators. That's going to be a tough division. But I think those two things, beating Tampa Bay with Tom, the great Tom Brady and getting a win against the San Francisco 49ers are going to be key to them getting to SoFi and, and dressing in their locker room for Super Bowl 56. Yeah, it's, uh, that's that Shanahan-McVay matchup. Oh. I call it the hat versus the hair. Ah. <laughs> he does wear it's a good be, hat. Shanahan does wear a good gonna be, hat. It's going to be intense as usual, I think, Nick. I, I agree with you 100%. Got to beat him at least once this year. Because even though the NFC West is, is good, I mean, the Rams do have... Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks, you know, they've had great wins against them and also against the Cardinals who can't seem to figure out how to beat the Rams. But the 49ers with injury have still figured out how to get those wins. 
Now they're healthy. They've got their squad. They also have a new quarterback in town. And so, yes, I think that's going to be the biggest thing that we'll get, you know, whether you're playing at home or perhaps a bye week, which we all know and love. So for us reporters as well. <laughs> so, yeah, that's going to splash. Um, say what segment wanted to touch. Basically, usually I do a quote or something that has stood out. But with you here, you all hear the same things that I do covering the Rams. Wanted to see if there was any quote or something that a player or coach has said during pressers, during training camps. So far, uh, a say what quote that you've heard? I think the best say what quote is just with Jalen Ramsey explaining the whole vaccine about being a bad teammate. Hmm. And he really thoroughly explained that and he elocuted it so well to the point where you're like, okay, I get what he's saying now. Because mm-hmm. there's only so many characters you can do on Twitter, right? Before it's misinterpreted, <laughs> always. Um, and so I Jaylen think. Jalen never holds back. No, and that's what I love about Jalen Ramsey. And he really explained it very thoroughly and I said okay I can feel that even if you're in agreement or disagreement you understand it and you can understand because it was logical what he was saying and Jalen said listen I don't think a guy's a bad teammate I think it's up to it's your personal choice whether you're vaccinated or not vaccinated I'm not gonna consider a guy a bad teammate because of his personal choice mm-hmm. I totally understand that and that's the great thing about Jalen Ramsey and I think other players should have that same type of mentality because there will probably be on other organizations these sorts of you know do you have this do you have that and that's going to play out because again you're all in the same locker room and it will get very uncomfortable so yeah say what that's a good one Nick Jordan um it goes back to Ernest Jones and I urge everyone to go like Nick said to watch Ernest Jones press conference because it was just phenomenal Um, But the one thing, I still think he's got the line of camp so far. Uh, I was asking him about, um, you know, he really likes to play in the box. He has, as you saw, Nick and Serena, when he's grabbing the sides of the podium, he's got hands the size of my head. (laughs) So he likes to get that hand out in throwing lanes and in the quarterback's face. Mm -hmm. And um, I asked him about, you know, how he likes to play when he's in the box and, and negotiating traffic and moving through that really congested middle area. And he gave a great answer about how it's, you know, it's God-given ability and, and natural instinct, which I, I, I believe him. I think it is. And, and also a lot of football savvy as well. And the last thing he said was, um, I want opposing offenses to have a fit when they see 50. Ooh. Yeah. Love I was it. like, whoo, Say what? Spicy. Yeah. 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 He, got, he has those shack hands. Yeah. Like. It's insane. I was like, what? Oh, my God. Keep an eye out for number 50 on the field. He's coming your way real soon. Um, we will finish up with Serena's social segment. Media team here has been keeping an eye open for Aaron Donald, number 99. It's hard to ignore him. Um, both on and off the field. He is a very kind human. He's actually a really great human being on and off the field and a great teammate. And that's obviously one of the reasons why he is the GOAT and one of the best players in the NFL. But I would love to hear the media team sort of trying to get um, together things that AD does. Like, AD did that. And so I'm just curious, as you both have experienced and seen what AD does, something that has really stood out to each of you that Aaron Donald does. Just how he is with his family. Mm. Just how he, he totally melts into a big dad puddle. Like, he really is such a dad, right? Yeah. Like, he, he just is, that's, you could just see, that's who he is first and foremost. And it's really cool, because you're like, you know, people are genuinely terrified of this guy. <laughs> yeah. Like, quarterbacks are genuinely dreading seeing this guy. Even if they're walking down the street, the quarterback will cross to the other side of the street. When you see him around his kids, around his fiance, like, he is just a big teddy bear puddle. Mm-hmm. 
And it's really endearing because it reminds you over and over again, you could be the best in the world at what you do, yeah. but the things that matter to you are the personal moments, the things that happen when you're with your loved ones. Mm -hmm. And so I really think that's a, a special part. I know family day is coming up and uh, I, I think it'll be fun for the social team to, to get some moments with him and his family. Yeah, things that AD does, he is a family man. He is also. Oh, he's definitely a Madden guy. For sure. He's a Madden Definitely guy. Definitely a guy. I, I want to see him play. I, 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 I would actually challenge AD on a Madden game. Because then he uh, don't have to hurt you in Yeah, then he don't have to hurt me in real life. I would still life. sit on the other side. Yeah, I would sit way yeah. on the other side. Like, you understand this is a friendly game, right? Okay, I just want to make sure we understand that. But no, I, I love the fact that he's just almost a kid at heart. I mean, he loves playing video yeah. games, like Jordan mentioned, being with his kids. But also, too, the thing I love is always giving back to the kids. When he goes back to his university at Pitt, he's always, you see him giving back little, right. little tidbits of information, little tidbits of game, we like to call it, and just being able to be in that, in that synergy for a college kid to see a guy of that stature practicing or, or, or training in their, in their university must mean the world to them. It's say, hey, if he made it, so can I. And sometimes yeah. you can lead by example and not necessarily words. So those are the things I would like to see more of, just him having fun, kind of humanizing him more so. We already know how great he is on the football we field. We see that, yes. We, 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 and he's going to be even greater. Like, uh, that's just what it is. But to humanize, and I think he, he relates to a lot of fans and a lot of people yeah. just seeing the human side of him. And that's one of the things I personally like to see. And that's what I try to do in my career, just humanize the athletes and the entertainers because yeah. I think people need to see that more. Mm -hmm. They do, yeah. And we love seeing Aaron Donald play, but yes, off the field, I mean, how much did you guys just go, oh man, when he hugged Bobby Brown, knowing that he came in and was a huge fan of Aaron Donald and the first time he met him and like Aaron surprised him and gave him a huge hug. I mean, he is such a great teammate, great to be around, great to cover. Um, so yeah, shout out to AD and things Aaron Donald does. And that will wrap up our rambling podcast. We're doing a special edition. You can catch it on the YouTube channel. Also, thank you for listening. If you're uh, joining us on iTunes or Spotify, appreciate all of you fans for joining out. Jordan, appreciate you. Nick Hamilton, appreciate you. I'll give you the two names. Um, either way, thank you so much for joining us. We still have another week of training camp, so save your energy. Um, you can join us. Saturday sold out, but we've got other days. And if maybe take a day off, maybe relax, enjoy a margarita out here, and and all the games and. Things that training camp has to offer. Either way, go to therams.com slash training camp to claim your free, the free tickets. Come and join us. Uh, and make sure you check out your 2021 Rams as they prepare for the season. Appreciate you all for joining us. We'll see you soon. <laughs>